Thank y'all for coming. Um, I want to pray. I want to pray today. Um, it's kind of a different word. It's definitely something I've never shared. Um, so, but I believe it's God. So I just want to pray and then we'll get into it. But God, we love you, God. I thank you for every person here. Um, God, I know that in a sense this is about me, but I just really pray that it wouldn't be. I really pray that um, today, God, this would be about you. God, I just pray that your name would be lifted up. That's the only reason we're here. If we're here for any other reason, we've wasted it. God, I just pray that your word that you've put in my heart would come forth, Lord, that they would not hear me talking, because that will not change anyone. Um, but, God, your words can change lives, change mine. God, I thank you for everyone in here that doesn't know you. I pray that you would you'd speak to them, you would grow them, you would work on their heart. And if anyone does not know you, they might know about you, but if they don't know you, that today would be the day. They come into a relationship with you. It's in Jesus' name. Um, I'd just like to say this as we get started. For our ordination, you're, you're looking at somebody that's technically getting into the ministry. But something we all know, um, ministry doesn't start when you get ordained. Okay, but A lot of people didn't get ordained. If I'm not, if I'm going to wait until today to start a ministry, then it's I've been missing it for a long time. If, if Jesus Christ is in your heart, whether you want to or not, he's called you to be a missionary. You might be a very effective one, or you might not be a very effective one at all. But you are a missionary. People are reading your life every day. You've probably heard it said, people out of, out of ten people, maybe one of them reads the Bible consistently. But every one of them is going to see your life, and they're going to read your life every day. Um, in 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. There's a verse in the Old Testament that... Um, I share with my students a lot. It's one that God brings up in my life a lot. In 2 Chronicles 16.9, you don't have to turn there. Um, but it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of him whose heart is perfect, fully sold out toward him. And um, that, verse, that verse is something that, that I go to a lot. God is, you can kind of picture, the Bible says that the devil is going about looking for someone that he can catch, someone that he can tear up. Okay, but at the same time, God's going about at all times, and he's looking for one willing vessel. That's always what God's looking for. Um, Wednesday, I'll be sharing in chapel, and there'll be 500 students out there. I know 500 of them, and God can do it. 500 of them are probably not going to fully sell out to God, but there might be one or two that fully sell out. I would rather one or two say, I'm, I'm the Lord's fully, 100%, he can have me, than have all 500 come down and cry and leave the exact same. God's looking for someone, even in a church. There are churches all over America, and yet our world is crumbling. Okay, God is looking for people within the church to say, God, here I am. Take me, use me, do whatever you want to do. Um, so if y'all would go ahead and turn to the book of Nehemiah. It's not one we go to a lot. Um, the message for today, the Lord's been putting the book of Nehemiah on my heart a lot. Um, God, God puts a call on his life, and he goes and he... Um, starts starts working on this call as God has called him to do, and right away attacks start coming. Okay, so he starts getting hit. There's always enemies, and uh, we just want to look at um, Nehemiah's life a little bit, the attacks that are coming, because they're the same attacks that are going to come at us, and how he was able to stand. Um, but a little bit of background in Nehemiah. It was written about 400 years before Christ, and it's actually, as I was studying, it's actually the first, I mean the last book that was written in the Old Testament. Okay? Um, and kind of, as if, if y'all know, okay, a lot, I know a lot of y'all do, Israel went into slavery in Egypt. 
Um, and then God delivers them out of Egypt, and pretty much the whole Old Testament from then on to the end, Israel goes in this cycle where they're following God. Everything's great. God says, as long as you follow me, I'm going to bless you. Your enemies will be my enemies. I will take care of you, serve me and only me. And Israel does for a while, but then they're like us, and we say, no thanks, God, for a little bit. And they go and they start serving other gods. They start living for themselves and not God. God would send a judgment, and they say, God, we're so sorry. Please forgive us. Get us out of this mess. And he would, and they would say thanks and go right back to their sin. And they go through this cycle, and where we're picking up, Israel had just gone towards the end of the Old Testament. They've gone into slavery in Babylon. They rebelled against God. He said, prophets, if you will repent and follow me, I will bless you. If not, a judgment's coming. They said, no thanks, God. He sent them into slavery in Babylon. Okay, so they're there for 70 years, and then a lot of the Jews started coming home. Okay, they start being able to return home. We pick up here towards the end. Nehemiah is still, he's still in exile. Okay, he's, he's working for the king. He's the cupbearer for the king. And we'll pick up in Nehemiah chapter 1. It says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month of Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left in the captivity, concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days, and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keeps covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let now thine ear be attentive, and thine eyes be open, that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou hast commanded thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If you, if you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence. And will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thy ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, and to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name. And prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Okay, so Nehemiah is still there. He's working for the king. And I just want you to think about this. In a natural sense, Nehemiah has absolutely no reason to worry about the Jews back home. He has no reason to worry whether they're doing great or they're doing terrible. It does not affect him. Okay? I'm working for the king. I'm a cupbearer. Life's not terrible, but it's not great. But hey, maybe I can promote. He could be very content with where he was, but he's asking about God's people. And a couple things I want us to see. Um, first of all, Jerusalem stayed at this time. Some of the Jews have gone back. The walls are broken down. The gates are burned, and the people are greatly afflicted. Okay, it's not a good place for the people of God to be. Um, a few things from Nehemiah. We see right away the first thing that he does when he hears this. His heart is broken. He cries out to God with fasting and prayer. Okay, I'm not going to eat. I'm just going to go, and I'm going to seek my God. 
Um, and at this moment, God had now found a man, like we talked about, whose heart that he could use. He had found a vessel. Someone that actually had God's heart and wanted God's heart and was willing. A few things that we see from his prayer. Um, the first was Nehemiah knew that this was too great for him to fix. God, I cannot go do this by myself. It wasn't that Nehemiah heard it. Okay, king, I'm out. I'm going to fix this problem. Right away he understood that I desperately need God. We desperately need God in order for this problem to be fixed. And the second is he prayed according to God's will. Not, hey, God, use this. Maybe I can increase in status. Maybe I can become their leader. You can put my, um, my face on a dollar bill. Like something, nothing like that. He wanted God's will and God's glory. Um, next, he stood on the promises of God. He said, God, your word says that e even if we've sinned really bad, if we would repent, you would call us back together. And I think this is really important for us. We cannot stand on God's promises if we do not know God's promises. And we cannot know them unless we open this book. Okay? A lot of us say, God, I love you so much. Um, and it's like we're almost giving him a 15-second thing at the end of the day. That's what it seems like a lot for a lot of Christians. Okay? God, I love you. Um, thank you for today. Got a big, big work schedule, big test coming up. Need your help. Um, hope you're doing good. Amen. I'm done. Okay? And I just want you to think about this. If we do not truly love this book and read this book, then we're not going to know what's in it. We can't stand on God's promises. Okay? In 2 Timothy, Paul's about to die and he's writing to Timothy. He says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He doesn't say occasionally pick it up and read it every couple days. He says, Study this book. Now, I just want you to think of this because pretty much everybody in here, as far as I know, would say that, yes, I do love God. Yes, I believe the Bible. Okay? If your Bible was talking for you, I just want you to think, how much would it say that you appreciate God's word and love God's word? It might be a lot. Okay, but we can say all we want. What we do, very simple, what we do is going to speak a whole lot louder than what we say. Okay, so Nehemiah stands on the promises of God. Um, the fourth one, he confesses the sins of the people. But I think it's wonderful because he doesn't say, God, they have done so much, Joe. They have disobeyed you. He said, God, we have. We have sinned against you. We need you to forgive us. Okay, America's not falling apart just because of Hollywood and just because they got a bunch of people that want a bunch of money and a bunch of sins. America's falling apart because the church is not standing for God. Okay, the Bible says in Revelation that when God comes back, judgment's going to start in the house of God. He's going to get his church right. Okay, so is it going to take, just for us, it, I'm not coming against our church, I'm just saying in general, is it going to take something really hard, God coming and sending us to Babylon in order to get our attention and get us on our knees praying and fasting and get us seeking God's word? Is that what it's going to take? Or is it just going to be people that come as Nehemiah and just are broken before God? Um, and the final thing um, in terms of Nehemiah's prayer, the whole situation, he brings it in the proper perspective. In chapter 1, verse 9, he says, God, this is about your name. It's about your name. It's not about me. It's not about the people. At the end of the day, we've sinned and we deserve punishment. We really do. Okay? I hear people all the time that say, God loves you and you are worthy. He does love you, but we're not worthy. That's the whole point of grace. Okay? He died for us because we were not worthy. He showed how much he loves us. And now he says, because I've done this, I want you to live for me. It's not you're worthy. It's about you. Nehemiah says, it's not about us. We deserve to be in Babylon. We deserve to be tormented. Hey, but you, you made this promise and we're standing on this and it's for your name, okay? Because you say you're a faithful God, I want everybody else to see that. Okay? And he stands on the promises of God. Um, we'll pick up in chapter 2 and read just the first four verses. It says, And it came to pass 
In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, the wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is your countenance sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid, and, the, and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lies waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, For what do you make requests? So I prayed unto the God of heaven. Um, so Nehemiah, he's in the king's, he walks in the king's presence, he's just like normal, but his heart is broken, he's sad, and he cannot cover that up no matter how hard he tries. Okay, he's grieved because God's heart is grieved. He goes into the king's palace, the king says, hey, what's wrong? Okay, at this point he's terrified because this is a king, this isn't just your buddy. And the king at this point can have him killed for coming into his presence without proper etiquette. Okay, so he is terrified, the king asks him, hey, what's, what's going on? My city is destroyed. I can't be happy. I'm sorry. I'm trying. Okay? God's people are not, they're not being blessed like he wants them to, so my heart is not okay with that. Okay? The king says, what is your request? At this moment, this is where we, we normally, okay, he just asked a question. I need an answer. We use our brains to make our plans and try to fake God in it. Okay? I'll do something for God. Okay, king, what if I do this? Right away, he stops and prays. Okay? He stops and he prays, and in that moment, God gives him an answer. Okay? And he says, King, I love it because he starts getting really bold really fast. He says, King, I want to go back and I want to rebuild the city. The king says, okay. And then next, right after that, he's not done. Like, he's getting bolder now. He's understanding I've prayed. Now I see that God's giving me favor. Okay, And he says, not only do I, am I going back, I want you to write letters so when I go back I can show everybody that you have sent me back. And also we need supplies to build. Okay, he, he went in terrified. He's coming out. Okay, I know God's with me. He's heard my prayer. I'm ready to go now. Okay, if our God is for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. It doesn't matter if enemies are waiting there on the other side. My God has sent me, and I'm going to go. Okay, and he's filled with the Lord. He's filled with his strength. Um, and he goes back. And there's a, there's a passage in Luke chapter 12 um, where, the, where the Lord's talking to the disciples. And he says, don't worry about what you're going to say. Okay, whenever a question is presented to you, whenever you are challenged, if you're filled with my spirit and my word, my, my word and my spirit will come forth. Whatever we are filled with in the moment that we are challenged, the moment we are pressed, that's what's going to come out. If I'm not filled with this book, if I'm just filled with myself and i got a little bit of this in it, then a lot of myself is going to come out. Whenever we're pressed and the world comes at you and they want an answer for some question, whatever is in you is going to come out. Near my request to be sent back, the king says, okay, um, let me pick up where I am. Okay, and right when, as Nehemiah is heading back, what we're going to see right here is as he's going back, immediately he's going to find that there's enemies that are there and they're waiting for him and they do not want him to do what God has called him to do. Okay, so God's found a man that's willing. God's put a call on that man a couple verses after he requests from the king. He says, I did this because God put it in my heart. Okay? Again, God is never going to ask us to make up a plan for God. Never will he do it. God's never going to say, hey, I uh, need some good ideas. Think of something. Okay? A lot of times that's what we do. God, I think this is a good plan. I need your help to accomplish my plan. Never God's will. God says, get on your face. Seek me. I will show you my plan. I will fill you with my spirit. I will send you out to accomplish my plan with my power. Okay? That's God's desire. Nehemiah starts heading back, and right away we meet two guys... Um, in verse 10, 
that are not going to be his friends from this point forward. Okay, it says, When Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, heard that Nehemiah had come back to help rebuild, they grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Okay, really easy verse to read over for just reading. Okay, but right then we see, if you stand for God, please understand this, if you stand for God, a bullseye will be on your back for the devil and he wants to take you out. Okay, Addie told me something last night she read. Okay, don't be scared whenever, whenever the enemy is attacking you. Be scared if he's not. If he's not attacking you, you're no threat to his kingdom. Okay? Um, and Nehemiah heads back and just know this, that there, is, there are two kingdoms that are at war right now. God's kingdom and God's will. And he's trying to rescue souls. And there's a devil that's trying to stop us. He's trying to stop people that are lost from coming to Christ. He's fine with you knowing about Jesus. He just doesn't want you to turn your heart over to him. He's fine with you believing in the Bible. Just don't turn your heart over to him. And for us, if you're saved, okay, he can't take Jesus out of you. But what he wants to do is he wants to get you to be quiet. Just don't tell anybody else. Okay? So Nehemiah starts coming. Um, the enemy is coming against him. And that's something Addie and I were talking about yesterday is I remember whenever we first started talking and we really started getting more serious, I asked her all the time to the point of just annoying her. I was like, Babe, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this? She's like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Are you sure you want to like, like, I, God's called me to to share His word. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of times that are not easy, not fun. And every time she's like, "Yes, I'm 100 in. Okay, I'm in this." And we were talking yesterday. She said, "Look, I didn't understand what you were talking about until we started really getting in it. Okay, it's tough. Any she she said it yesterday. You could ask her any time. I'm preaching in chapel." It's, that's not a huge thing. Preaching chapel, preaching up here, um, teaching youth group. The devil attacks me, but he's also going to attack her. Because he knows that if he's attacking her, it's going to affect me. Okay, so the devil is going to attack. Okay, but it doesn't make it easier if we know it's coming in the sense that it's, the attack's still coming. But it does make it easier because we know to be prepared. Okay, play baseball with Tyler in the back. Okay, he's a lot better than I am. Okay, but if, if I'm hitting... And the pitcher's got a 90 mount on our fastball. He's got a good curveball and a good changeup. I, I better just guess, okay? Because he's good. I, it's going to be tough for me to hit, okay? It's not easy to hit a 90 mile an hour fastball ever, but I have a lot better chance to hit it if I know it's coming and I know where it's coming, okay? So we're going to get into a couple attacks real quick that they were faced with because they're the same ways um, that we were attacked, or we're going to be attacked, okay? So you have Sambalat and Tobiah, and they are coming against... Um, Nehemiah, and we'll pick up in chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 16. Okay, so Nehemiah shares the call with the people, and it says this, And the rulers knew not where I went or what I did, neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then I said unto them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire, Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of God that was good upon me, as also the king's word that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. Okay? So we can say right then, before the attacks even start coming, okay, as, as a congregation, this is where it gets easy. It gets so easy to come and to listen and to nod. And we say, yes, God, I believe in all of that that was preached. Wasn't that a wonderful sermon today? Okay? That would have been very easy for this people. 
Nehemiah comes. Hey, God is a God's put a call on my life. He's called us to rebuild. It's time to go. Okay, that's when a lot of congregations would say, "Thank you so much. That's a wonderful word. Wonderful word. I really agree that He's called us to build." And then we just go to lunch. Okay, but they put their put their hands to work and they said, "We have we're going to do what God has called us to do." Okay, it's not enough. God is not fool. Okay, but those of you who are working for God, guess what? He sees it and He's pleased and He is working through you. Okay? But I just want to say that I'm sorry if I step on toes. Okay? James chapter 2 says, Faith without works is death. Okay? But the very next verse, okay, these two guys, Sambalit and Tobiah. But when Sambalit the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. Okay? Very first thing they do is they're going to come and they're going to mock. Okay? Anytime you try to stand for God, immediately the enemy's going to try to shut you up. There's a lot of ways he's going to try it. Okay? One of the very first ones he's going to do is going to just get people to mock. Okay? I had a kid I told the church about last week gave his life to Christ. It's a really big deal for him. Right away, when he's in my classroom, on his knees crying, giving up a lot of sins, okay, he told me, Coach, I'm the very worst kid we got at this school, okay, and he gave his life to Christ. Right then, I said, hey, it's going to be wonderful, but it's going to be tough, and the devil's going to put a bullseye on your back, and he wants to bring you back. He wants to get you back into your old junk, to all those old sins. He came to me a couple days later. He said, Coach, it's been the hardest days of my life. He said, I never failed tests. I've been failing tests. Don't know why. He said, people are offering me every kind of sin in the book, but I've been standing. Okay, he's been standing. Okay, I know that's because y'all been praying for him too. I have another student that all year she's been coming to my class. Coach, I want to stand. I want to preach in chapel. I want to do anything I can for the Lord. She came up to me Wednesday crying. Coach, it's so hard, but it's so wonderful. Okay, anytime the devil attacks, anytime you stand for God, the devil's going to attack. It's going to be hard, but it's also an opportunity to see God at work. Okay, if Abraham would have never said yes to Jesus and moved to the promised land, we never have a lot of the Bible. Okay, so many things. Every every great thing, every great victory comes after a great battle. Can't have a victory without a battle. Okay, so the very first thing they laugh him to scorn. Um, and I was just thinking about this as I was preparing the notes. There's another person in the Bible that they laugh to scorn. His name's Jesus. Um, whenever there's a girl that's dead, he comes. He says she's she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And it says they laughed him to scorn. Okay? What did Jesus do? He got in a word fight with them? No. He just said, y'all can leave. Okay, we'll take care of this. He puts them out, just keeps the parents in there, raises her from the dead. God gets glory. Okay, Nehemiah does the exact same thing. He's not going to get in a word fight with them. He says, hey, you can mock all you want. God's with us. He's called us to build. We're going to build. Okay? You're not going to stop us. And they keep building. Okay? Hey, if the enemy wants to talk, let him talk. We keep building. We keep working. We do what God's called us to do. Okay? Um, the second one, chapter 4. I'm going to just go through these. There's five of them. Um, I'm going to keep going here all day, I promise. Okay, chapter 4, it says, But it came to pass that when Sambalit heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren in the armies of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him and said, Even thou as they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. 
Okay, so not only do they mock, but they're going to crank up the mocking, they're going to crank up the intensity, and they're going to say it a little bit louder. Okay, because remember, the devil can't take God out of you, but he wants he wants to he wants you to be quiet. He don't want you rescuing any more souls for Christ, and he doesn't want you performing the call that God's put on your life. Okay, but in Joshua one nine, Joshua receives this command: Have not I commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The only way we make it through is we have to be confident in the one that called us. We have to. If I'm not sure about him, then whenever I get sure about the enemy, and I really, really feel their attacks, I'm going to leave him. I have to be sure that he has called me. And the only way we're sure is starts on our knees, and he puts that call on our life. Okay, i got notes all over the place, so you all just stay with me. Um, 1 John 4.4. 4 says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, okay? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Okay, Dad, Dad made a good point Wednesday night as he was preaching. If it's ever me against the devil, I lose 100% of the time. He's a lot stronger than me. But God in me, through the devil, the devil tucks his tail and he runs every time. Okay, the devil can never beat you if you're a child of God. The only thing he can do is bring enough threats to where you forfeit. He can never beat you. Okay, he's never stronger because the one that's in you is greater. He just wants to yap in your ear until you'll give up, until you get quiet. Okay, but the whole time God's calling us to, hey, let him talk, keep building. Okay, chapter 4, verse 4 through 6. Right away when the threats come, Nehemiah says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for prey in the land of captivity. Cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee. For they have provoked thee to anger. It's all about God before the builders. So built we the wall, and all that was with, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. For the people had a mind to work. Okay, so again, he's not. He's going to let them keep talking, even when it gets harder and the mocking comes more. We're going to keep doing what God has called us to do. Okay, the next one in um, chapter four, verse seven. Okay, so they've been they've been mocking. They increased the mocking. It didn't work. Okay, so now the attacks are going to get cranked up a little bit. Chapter 4, verse 7. But it came to pass that when Sambalit and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come in a fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them that day and night because of them. Okay, so they talked, it didn't work. They started talking more, tried to put more pressure, it didn't work. So finally they, they decided, hey, we're going to get a bunch of armies together and we're going to come to fight. Okay, at this point, that's when you really find out what you got. Okay, when the people are coming together, not only are they coming, they got all their buddies too. And they're coming to try to test you and see if what you got is real. Okay, the only way that we make it, the only way that we make it is if we're standing on the word of God. Okay, and I think it's wonderful because right after this, um, Nehemiah says, he starts calling on God once again, and he says, God, they have put fear in our heart, so we're coming to you. Okay? We're not immune to attacks, even the leader, even the preacher, even the, the missionaries, not immune to attacks, not immune to fear, not immune to faith getting hit, and sometimes bruised, and sometimes getting bruised really bad. Okay? But Nehemiah stands on God's word, okay? and Nehemiah, even while he's discouraged and he's afraid, he's encouraging the people. The only way we do that, the only way we do that is we have to live by what he's done, who he is, and not by our feelings. 
You cannot lead for Christ. You cannot continue for Christ if you're living by your feelings. I'm going to read a poem really quick. I think it was Amber read a few months ago. Um, it says, Feelings come, feelings go, feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God, and all else is worth believing. Though all my heart should feel condemned for want of some sweet token, there is one greater than my heart whose word cannot be broken. I'll trust in God's unchanging word till soul and body sever. For though all things should pass away, his word shall stand forever. Okay? Feelings are going to change. I tell my students, hey, you're driving to school in the morning and you are feeling happy because it's Friday. Okay? You get to school, first hour, you fail a test, and now you're feeling sad because you just took a test and you failed it. Okay? But somebody brought you coffee, so you're feeling happy again. But then you walk out the first hour and some of your boyfriend breaks up and you're feeling sad again. If we live in by feelings, we're not going to make it. Okay? Because if we just, we just serve God when we feel it, we can serve Him just a few days in the year. Okay? There's a lot of times you don't feel it. Okay? Um, we'll jump to the fourth one real quick. Well, let, let me say this real quick. Um, we are, Nehemiah gets there and he calls the people. He says, hey, we're going to keep building. Okay? They want to fight. we got a sword in one hand. you got a hammer in the other hand. We're going to build. And if we got to, we'll fight. Okay? Families, you got to fight for your children. Okay, we got to fight for each other in this church and this body. That's one reason our prayer meetings are so important because we pray for each other and we know that the enemy is coming. He's trying to take out members of our flock and we love each other and we stand together in God's word. Okay, and we pray for each other. Um, but whether we want to or not, we're in a battle. Okay, I think a lot of times we just act like the battle's not really there so we can put our Christianity on glide. Okay, Frank Turek said this. He said the quickest way to get get beat in a battle is to not know that you're in one or to not care that you're in one. Okay? So whether I want to be in one or not, I'm in one. And so for me to just act like it's not there just makes it a lot easier for the enemy to win. Okay? Because regardless, we're supposed to be fighting. And God is calling us to fight every day. Um, so the fourth one, we got two more. Um, in chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass when Sambalit and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, so they had been working hard. Though at that time I had not set up the doors of the gates, then Sambalit and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. Okay, and I'll just summarize the next few parts. So he, he sends him a message. He's tried to attack him with his words, tried to discourage him, didn't work, formed an army. God thwarted their plans. The army never ended up coming. So now he starts sending messages. Okay, he says, hey, let's, let's come over to the side and let's just talk. Okay, let's, let's go talk this thing out. Still, even though it sounds good, he's not trying to fight me, so I should go do it, right? But God's called him to build. Okay, God has not called him to sit and talk right now. There's a job to be done. So he says, no, I'm not going to stop building just to come have a conversation with you. He sends five letters and then sends a servant to ask him. All five times he says, you ask me as much as you want. God's called me to build. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Okay? Finally, in verse um, 6, where it was written, there's a letter written. It said, it is reported among the heathen, and Gashmu saith it, that you and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause you build the wall, that you may be their king according to these words. And you have also appointed prophets to preach of you at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah, and now shall be reported to the king according to these words. Come now, therefore, and let us take counsel together. So now, okay, tried to distract him, didn't work, so now he's coming with lies. Okay, if you've ever stood for God, you know that people are going to lie about you. They're going to try to defame your character. They're going to try to wreck it. If they can't find something wrong with you, Daniel, they're going to make up a lie. 
Okay? And so they come at him with lies. And this, again, he starts getting worried. He starts getting fearful. But he continues to trust in the Lord. Okay? He continues to stand in the Lord. Um, and he says, he says, again, these lies are not true. But even when the lies come, his job is to not go into, si- to go into silence everybody. Okay? If, if every time somebody said something false about you, you went out and made it a mission to get on social media and do everything else to talk to all their friends and try to silence the lie, you'd be doing that your whole life. And the devil would keep you doing that and, hey, never got time to build. God's called us to build. If they want to talk, whether it's true or false, let them talk. You do what God has called you to do. Okay? And then the final one in chapter 6, the very last attack that comes. And this is the most subtle of all. Okay? So he's mocked. He's tried to start an army. He's told lies. And then we get here in chapter 10. And it's right after Nehemiah prays. He says, Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. He keeps going to God. It says, Afterward I came unto the house of Shimei, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabil, who was shut up. And he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. And let us shut the doors of the temple, for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night they will come to slay thee. And I said, Should a man such as I flee? And who is there that being as I am will go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And lo, I perceived that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me, for Tobiah and Sambalit had hired him. Therefore was he hired that I should be afraid and do so in sin, and that they might have matter for an evil report, that they might reproach me. Okay, the very last one, okay, a false prophet is sent. Okay, and I just want you to think of this. If we don't know God's word and we're not sensitive to God's voice, and somebody comes up and says, Hey, brother, puts his arm around you. Hey, I'm worried for you. They're going to come attack you. So we need to come and let's go to the house of God and let's hide in there. It all sounds good. He sounds like he's caring for you, comes with sweet words. He even wants to take you to God's house. But the whole thing he wanted to do is keep him from God's will. Okay, all that to say this, okay, for this last one. We have to know God's voice and we have to have discernment. Okay? And the lady was teaching chapel Wednesday. It was the best one I've heard in a while. Um, and she was talking. She said, people ask all the time, how do I know God's voice? You have your voice in your own head. We're just spitting out thoughts all day. You have God and he's trying to talk to you. You have the devil. You have your friends' opinions, your family's opinions. All of this in your head. How do I know God's voice? She said, it's really simple. It sounds just like his word. Okay? I cannot, I cannot know his voice if I do not know his word. Okay? Nehemiah was on his face before God. He was not content to just be a cupbearer and just live life, and maybe one day I'll get promoted and be, I don't know, I'll be his right-hand man. Maybe one day I'll even be the king. He, he did not want anything earthly. He wanted to take care of what God wanted. He got on his face. He sought God. He fasted, and he prayed. God called him, and when he called him, Nehemiah at that moment said, my God's with me. It doesn't matter if there's enemies. I'm going to keep doing what he's called me to do. Okay, I'm going to keep fighting because this world is not my home, and I'm doing what God has called me to do. Okay, if you are going to stand for God, the devil is going to put a bullseye on your back. It's not going to be easy. Okay, if you if you want to experience what hardship is like, serve Jesus. Okay, if you want to see what it's like, serve Jesus. Okay, I know I haven't been through as much as a lot of y'all, but every time I say, okay, God, I'm going to stand for you, the devil says, okay, let's go. Are you really going to stand? Okay, I just really want to encourage y'all. Okay, it doesn't make it easy in the sense that the attacks are still going to come. We're not bulletproof. Okay, our faith is going to be bruised at times, sometimes really bad. Sometimes, God, I don't understand why this is happening. But we have to know that God's called us. 
We have to stay in his word. We have to stay in prayer. We have to have discernment. And when he speaks, we have to listen. In the last passage that I'll read, the following um, three verses. It says, My God, think thou upon Tobiah and Sambalit according to these their works. And on the prophetess, Noadiah, and the rest of the prophets that would have put fear in me, but it didn't work. Praise God. So the wall was finished in the 25th day of the month, Elul, in 50 and two days. And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were round about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. The enemy talked, they, they made all these plans, they came against, but at the end, because they did what God had said, God's plan was accomplished. The wall was built. Now their heads were held up high, and the enemies were the ones with their heads down. Okay? God has called us to work in the last days, and He's called us to build a wall. He's called us to rescue souls for Him. And every one of you that has Christ in your heart, He has called you to be a minister of reconciliation. He's called you to win souls for Christ. We cannot take off. We cannot take off a day. We cannot just glide because the devil is not going to take off ever. I'll just see if I have anything left on this last one. Um, I know we normally don't preach from there, so it's a little different. Um, one, one last point that I have. Um, I just want you to think about this. Because not everybody necessarily stands up here. I don't stand up here a lot. Not everybody necessarily stands up here. But there's a lot of people with Nehemiah that worked very hard. Okay, Nehemiah told him at one point whenever the army was about to come, he said, guess what? We might die, but we're going to keep fighting. Okay, we might die, but we're going to keep fighting. There's a lot of people that busted their butt for 52 days to build a wall night and day around the clock. And it was hard, and they didn't get to watch TV that whole for 52 days. And it was tough. Okay, and they were working, and they were sweating, and it was hard, and they were scared. And guess what? Their name is never mentioned. They never get any credit. Not one bit. But they did it for God. Their, their name is not mentioned in the book. We don't know their name, but guess what? God saw them, and every day, hey, I'm pleased. I'm pleased. There's a lot of times we're going to fight, and we're going to stand for God, and nobody else is going to see, and we're not getting any credit. And then we see, okay, am I doing it for you, or am I doing it for me? Okay, I just really want to encourage all today. Like I said at the beginning, this church has been such a godly example to us. Um, we preach the word, but I see y'all live the word. And that means just as much as when I hear, hear it being preached. I see y'all being servants. I see y'all stand. I see y'all pray. And I want to encourage you in that. And encourage you in something that you know. We know that the fastball is coming. And it's hard to hit. Okay, but if I know that it's coming and where it's coming, we can be prepared. Now it's our job to not just say, Nehemiah, that's a great plan. Really great plan. I think we should build. And then we sit down. Okay, he's called us to build. He's called us to do what God's called us. So I just want to pray for us. Um, everybody has, everybody that has Christ in their heart has a call of God um, for something. Now, but I pray that we would, if we don't know what it is, that we would get on our face and hear it. If we do know what it is, but it might have been a while since we've been acting in it, that again we would be filled with the Spirit because whatever we're filled with, that's going to come out. So God, I just thank you so much for today. Um, it's such an honor to be here today. And I do not have any of this down perfect. I'm preaching right at myself. And all week my prayer has been, God, please don't let me preach this and then fall to these same attacks because I wasn't paying attention. God, I just pray that you would help us, God. You would put us here not to just go make money and have a family and retire and be a cupbearer and die. You have called us to rescue souls. You've called us to stand. You've called us to get on our faces before you and fast and pray. You've called us to study your word. It's not a suggestion. God, you've called us to do it. 
God, and I just I just think of the song, Love So Amazing, So Divine, Demands My Soul, My Life, My All. God, I just thank you for that. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for getting on that cross for me. You did not have to do it. God, I pray that if there's anyone in this room, they might know all about you and have a Bible right next to their bed. God, but if they do not know you, I pray that they would give their life to you today and say, God, here I am, take over. God, for all those that do know you, God, that maybe are not walking in your call, that you would break their hearts today and get us walking in your heart, in, in your call. And for those, I know it's so many, that are following you and really want you and have said, God, here I am. God, I pray that you encourage them and protect them from every attack that the enemy might bring. And we love you and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name.